One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Ethan Normandy from Long Island, New York, and you're listening to my favorite podcast, The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year, and Happy New Year in particular to Ethan who's introduced this edition of the Tennis Podcast, a friend of the podcast and uh, at intro level, which you can be as well if you'd like to introduce uh, one of these shows. That's one of the things that you can get to do if you become a friend of the Tennis Podcast. You can also get a shout-out at the end. Uh, you can, at the moment, still guest editor podcast if you want. We've even got one executive producer slot yet, uh, but all the pet mascots, I'm sorry to say, for your sake, if you want one, have gone. So if you haven't got one, too late. Next year is your chance. Uh, Catherine Whitaker is going to be just drooling over those pets for the next 12 months. Uh, she's in per Perth at the moment. Have they got a, a good dog game over there, Catherine? Uh, they've they've got a good animal game, uh, depending on what your uh, what your flavour is. They've got that. I think they've got the best and the worst of um, of the animal spectrum over here. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm okay. sure both ends will come up over the course of this podcast. If I've got anything to do with the agenda, yeah. uh, they will do anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be talking snakes at one point, <laughs> folks. Um, and it will be relevant, too, to the tennis world. Who'd have thought it? Uh, Matt Roberts has, of, has of course, done the agenda for us, which means we might be vaguely able to talk about something that makes sense. Unfortunately, he did that agenda before he went out and got back at 3 a.m. last night, Matt. Uh, a little bit worse for the wear. Uh, but able to watch Naomi Osaka in real time. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. I, I had a lovely New Year's Eve watching... Watching Fulham beat Arsenal to begin with, which was just great, and then saw some friends and got back, and yeah, Naomi Osaka was on my television, which is a splendid way to start the new year, and I feel good this morning. <laughs> you do look very smug. Doesn't he look smug, Catherine? Look at him. It's all an act, I think. He's clutching that water very hard. <laughs> <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah, it's actually, we're all feeling life. a bit smug at the moment. <laughs> Tennis has started, uh, which which is good news for us all. I imagine it's good for, news for you, given you're listening to a tennis podcast. Suggest you might be into it. Um, and we're going to be off to Melbourne ourselves, Matt and I, in just over a week from now to join Catherine uh, in Melbourne. Catherine's been covering the United Cup. We'll ask her about that in a moment. And we're also pre feeling pretty good about the fact that... 
in our first show of 2024, we can tell you that on location, the premium hospitality and experience provider will once again be sponsoring the tennis podcast this year. How goes that, Catherine? Hey. The premium hospitality and experience provider. You've got to say it in the right tone yeah. and cadence, David, or or everything is wrong. I'm building up to it, Catherine. And and actually okay. it's it's even it's even better than last year, Catherine. It's even better than last year because get this, for the first time ever, on location will be the official hospitality provider of the Olympic and Paralympic Games Paris 2024. Oh, you have my attention, David. I do, don't I? I do. That means that you, dear listener, can gain unparalleled access to the Olympic Games when they take place in Paris from Friday the 26th of July to Sunday the 11th of August this year, 2024. I can say this year now. Uh, On Location offers you the chance to be a part of history with tailor-made offerings that include guaranteed tickets and a wide range of options to make your time at Paris 2024 truly epic. There are phenomenal packages available for all sports, from swimming to gymnastics, fencing to boxing, but also private boxes at none other than Roland Garros to watch your favourite tennis players go for gold. Imagine that. A special section is now featured at the top of the Tennis Podcast sponsor page on the On Location website. That'll direct you to their official Olympic Games travel and hospitality packages. So just go to toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast. That's tours, the number four, tennis.com forward slash podcast. And you can get yourself to the Olympic Games. Imagine that. Catherine, the Olympics, it's this year now. Oh, don't I know it, David. I've had Olympics on the brain because um, I've been doing the odd uh, post-match interview this week um, and quite a lot on uh, with mixed doubles teams here in Perth. And uh, all I want to ask them is, so is this is this going to be a team for the Olympics? Is this, is this a, a pre-Olympics <laughs> trial? I just basically want to grill them about their Olympics plans. Um, so, yeah, gosh, that has that whetted my appetite for, for July. Yeah, it sure has. Packages can be purchased online or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package. And of course, the link to check them out will be available in our show notes right now and in our newsletter this week. The newsletter's coming back, Matt. I hope you've got your stats lined up. Uh, The predictions are going to be coming your way. We're going to be announcing presenter mascots in this edition of the show at the end. Uh, We're going to announce our executive producers it's all happening. Uh, and Catherine, you're out there in Perth. What, what, is, what is Perth like your first time? Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely loving my time in Perth so far. In terms of Perth as a city, it is smaller than I was expecting. Um, I've been told lots and lots of times by various different locals that I've encountered this week that it is officially the most remote city in the world. Um, and that's something they're very, very proud of here they wear that as a as, as a badge of honor um so i'm acutely aware of that and it, it is sort of the defining characteristic of the city it's sort of very small town feel in in within the the walls of a city i suppose um but uh i've i've absolutely loved it i i believe it's unseasonably 
I, I'm I'm loath to say cool because it's still really quite hot. But um, I'd been braced for sort of forty degrees plus every day, um, and it very much hasn't hasn't been that. It's been quite forgiving the weather. I've really enjoyed it so far. So thank you very much uh, to the climate of Western Australia for the time being, um, for that mercy. Um, and yeah, it's been great. Really good fun. Yeah, I did notice that you hadn't been complaining about the weather on on WhatsApp, and that's um, somewhat unusual. Um, so, uh, <laughs> thanks, Perth. Um, Catherine, what, what what do you make of the United Cup so far? Um, you're, it's it's in two cities. It's in Sydney and in Perth. Uh, they're at this sort of group stages, aren't they, at the moment? And then it goes to quarterfinals and knockout in in Sydney. You've been mixing commentary duties with on court interviews. You counted the the new year down with Novak Djokovic the other night. <laughs> it's a bit different, and uh, and yeah, it seems it seems like an interesting environment to work in. And, and you've not done it before. What, what have you made of it? Yeah, it, it's very easy to get swept up in it um, when you're when you're here. So I'm probably not the most most objective observer of of the tournament as a whole I'm very interested in in both your takes but I very much have been been swept up in it I think the quality of the tennis has been good um I mean look anything anything at the start of the season has the the sheen of newness about it doesn't it it's got the vibrancy of youth um so it's just instantly great because of that um but I think the format changes this year have all been for the better um just just the two cities in play and the return of uh the regular ATP and WTA event in Brisbane I think that's a massive improvement I think two singles matches and one du- one doubles with ties taking place uh, just within one session, that's a tremendous improvement. Yes, it's a shame. I know the US team in particular are sad at how um, how much smaller their team has had to be this year. They mentioned that Francis Tiafo has got major FOMO because they've still got their WhatsApp group from from last year on the go, except some of the, the people in that group aren't actually United Cup team members anymore. Um, so yeah, look, there are there are some sacrifices that have had to be made for those format changes, but I I, I do think they are they are good ones. That there's been there's been a couple of sessions here in Perth that have felt quite sparsely attended. Um, it is a big stadium. I think in an ideal world, they would want the Perth edition of this tournament to be played in a slightly smaller stadium. In in fact quite a bit smaller stadium perhaps um but everything else about the stadium is perfect so uh, it, it's a bit of a a swings and roundabouts situation but yeah there there have been a couple of sessions uh, a couple of day sessions which has been a bit of a tough sight um but the sessions that have been well attended have been extremely well attended and and atmospheric and they've been very cool yeah i mean at the moment Perhaps unsurprisingly, with Australia playing, it's uh, Isla Tomljanovic against Jessica Pagula that I've got on my screen at the moment. And I mean, it looks rammed, and that is a ten thousand seat stadium. But uh, but but it, it, like you say, that's the upside, isn't it? When you've got a lot of seats and you can fill them, 
and you get an amazing atmosphere and loads of people get to enjoy it but there were one or two matches where just they only used a single side it looked like yeah and and it's good that they did that that they collected all the crowd that there was in one place um and one shaded place um but still yeah a couple of the early day sessions were were a bit of a tough scene Uh, but yeah you're right i think this is a sellout or certainly very close to a sellout the session on at the moment yeah um matt i i agree with catherine from afar about the format changes in terms of particularly in terms of playing the the ties over three rubbers with with a a men's singles a women's singles and a mixed doubles i mean you know I suppose it, the downside is is you're getting to see fewer players, etc. But but it's worked a lot better from my vantage point. I found it easier to follow and be engaged in. There haven't been any kind of players with teams with people you just don't know who they are. Um, and and really one sided matches. It's felt it's felt like it works better to me. What do you think? I agree. I I've really. Uh loved the united cup so far i i think um i think comparing it to last year is is maybe a bit tricky for us as well because we've obviously you know we're sort of seeing it through Catherine's eyes this year you know and whenever Catherine's commentating or doing the interviews we you know we, we are just instantly more engaged in it i think um because you know we want to hear Catherine's commentary and and and, and watch her interviews so i've i've loved that aspect so much and just as Catherine said, there is something, there is something very special about the sort of bright Australian summer lightening up the the slightly gloomy UK winter, and just that that tennis beaming into your living room is is just such a such a great thing to have over here in the UK at this time of year. So all of that aspects, I've you know, I've loved so much. I, I agree, the format changes are better. I remember last year finding it quite hard to follow ties because they were they were over a couple of days weren't they and it, it was quite hard to know sort of where we were standing with them um the fewer cities just makes it easier uh I think it's better that you've that you sort of know what the team is going to be you can you can follow that team through the tournament I think narratively that makes it a little bit easier as well um I agree about the crowds it, it, it was a little bit of a tough scene sometimes to you know the big sort of welcome to tennis and that it was a largely empty stadium, um, and I, I, I'm curious about that because I don't know whether that's just something that these team events have to deal with. You know, is is it harder to sell Czech Republic China in in Australia on a weekday than it is to sell the sort of players involved in that? I, I don't know. Are, are are people less likely? to buy tickets just because it's not the country that they follow. I genuinely don't know. I've spoken to a lot of people at the ITF about that in terms of Billie Jean King Cup and, and Davis Cup, and I know how hard people have to work to sell tickets for those events where where these matches are taking place on sort of neutral ground. And it's literally someone's job all year round to just try and get people in seats for those matches. And I'm, I'm sure that the people at the United Cup are, are working just as hard on that. And generally, it has looked great, but... It's um, it's just something that tennis is sort of facing, I suppose, now that we are getting so many sort of national matches taking place on on neutral grounds. It, it didn't used to happen so often, and um, maybe that just takes a bit of time. But but generally, I've loved it, and I, I think um, I think there's been some really good tennis played and 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 some great stories as well. I mean, I've I've loved watching Sviontek, 
Djokovic being there obviously elevates elevates the event. Um, Kerber's return has been really interesting. There's just been there's just been a lot going on, which I've um, which I've really enjoyed. And also, as as Catherine said, knowing that we've also got Brisbane back, I just think is brilliant because that is such a good event, and there are so many great stories there as well. So it's been a a really good launch, I think, to the to the new tennis season. Even even if I wish it hadn't started in in 2023, that 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 still annoys me that um, that we're having to do that. But uh, yeah, it has been it, it it's been great to watch, and I think I think an improvement on last year for sure. So it's a real conversation point about the sport selling its star names versus trying to just build events that people attend because they're events of interest and and regardless of who's playing in them um big piece by matt futterman in the athletic about entitled how to fix tennis and it's all about this current political war going on within the sport uh, and with the the grand slams reportedly trying to get a premium tour together um and effectively relegate a lot of tournaments on the surface to second tier and a almost a qualifying tour the 250s and 500s but the the feeling being that rather than just trying to sell them on a few big star names make them important and relevant in trying in terms of trying to get onto the premium tour it's 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 always been a a talking point within the sport is how best do you sell events and i think i think when i see events in france catherine you know a lot of the time you'll just see that i don't even know where they are and yet they're massively well attended and they might not have big names but they've they've just created a culture that that's an event and you go to it and antwerp and places like that in belgium yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's it's a tension within the sport at the moment. I would just say something particular to the United Cup, and this might be a bit sort of, um, sort of in in crowd um, speak, uh, but the United Cup, the broadcast rights to it aren't uh, don't form part of the WTA and ATP rights package that whatever broadcaster has them in the country that you're watching uh buys so for example sky in the united kingdom from this year has wta and atp tour rights for the year and i I think it's a five-year deal but that doesn't include the united cup um and I understand why they want to sell it as a separate package and make more money from it. I imagine this is, it's a very costly event to stage and put on. I absolutely realize there are factors at play and balance sheets that I am not privy to here, but just objectively with the knowledge I have, it seems to be shooting itself in the foot to not make itself available um, as part of that rights package because you're just limiting the audience worldwide that can see it. I mean, I don't know what the situation in every country is, but it just doesn't feel good enough to me that um, this isn't on tennis's national broadcaster in the UK. You have to get a Tennis Channel International subscription to be able to watch it and good on them for picking up the rights and showing it, but that there are pretty niche outlet uh in terms of uk 
tennis watching, we've had an awful lot of messages on Instagram and various different platforms. And these are tennis podcast listeners messaging us, right? So these are people that like and know about tennis and generally know where to to find the tennis that they want to watch. And they're all baffled and confused about where they can watch this this event that they think looks really cool and they'd like to be able to watch. So um, there are there are issues here for sure and as per usual those those issues i'm sh- sure have at their root tennis's internecine political struggles uh, because that is that is tennis ladies and gentlemen <laughs> indeed um matt mentioned Kerber and Svantec and Djokovic all in Perth. Listen, we'll 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 be able to cover the results more fully at the end of the week when we when we review the tournament as a whole. But just just generally, Catherine, is there anybody that has stood out to you over the last few days that you've just thought, oh, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on them over the next however long, based on being in Perth up close, seeing results? Is there anybody that's that surprised you, stood out, or uh, and interested you for the future? Well, um, Iga Svantec has stood out, <laughs> but not surprised me. But she has been, apart from the opening four games today against Sara Saribes Tormo, which um, I think we can probably put down to a bit of an adjustment to conditions because it was um, the, heat of, the heat of the day, mid midday that she played that match today and the ball was really flying and she played her her previous match uh during quite a cool night session um but after those first four or five games she she cut out the errors and was a completely different player and boy was that player just absolutely breathtaking she's got this uh, new service motion which looks that little bit smoother um, it's quite a difficult thing to describe on an audio medium, but basically it looks to me like her her various different moving body parts involved in the service motion are just moving more as one, m- more harmoniously than they were before. There were a couple of sort of more disjointed movements in her old service motion, but now it's just one one smooth flowing thing or certainly more so a smooth smooth flowing thing um and she also is not necessarily on every forehand but she's definitely working on trying to shorten the take back uh on her forehand and um i've been in the company of some some great co-commentators this week and uh, i was with elena dokic for her her match today against Sara Saribes Torma and she said that's specifically to target her matches against Sabalenka and Rabatkina, you know, her closest rivals, the players that that take her time away and Russia, Ostapenko even, Dokic mentioned Ostapenko that she's never beaten. Um it it she's she's not doing that against Sara Saribes Torma because she needs to do it against Sara Saribes Torma. She's trying to make a habit of it so that when she comes up against those players that that take her time away and present completely different challenges it's it's bedded in as uh, as a new technique and a new habit so for her to have I know they don't sound like much but I, I'm always impressed by any technical changes that somebody makes in an off-season quite frankly because the off-season is so short and muscle memory is so difficult to form um so 
for her to be playing this well this soon into implementing a couple of quite relatively major technical changes I find um incredibly impressive she even uh, after <laughs> after winning a mixed doubles match alongside Hubert Hercatch six love six love which is almost a bit sort of it's a bit like winning love and love on the champions tour isn't it David a bit little bit awkward um (laughs) she uh, i did the encore interview with them and i would never dream of uh mentioning eager's bakery to to eager shantae because i know she she's expressed many times in the past that 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 concept makes her uncomfortable she doesn't want to talk about it because she thinks it's it's disrespectful to her opponents. But suddenly, there she is, bringing up Eager's Bakery and saying, oh, Hubert's, Hubert's my new chef in the bakery. And I thought, wow, you must be, <laughs> you must be really feeling it <laughs> to be doing that. Um, so Eager Shviontek's been utterly brilliant. Uh, been impressed by Zheng Chinwen. Um, Katie Bolter has, has really caught my eye. I, this is definitely the best that that Katie Bolter has ever played. She's won her two singles matches so far. Um yeah, there's been there's been a lot of lot of good stuff. How about you? Who's got your eyes? Well, I you mentioned the two that I was going to reference personally and and Bolter beating Jessica Pagula from a set down. I did not see her doing that. Uh, I just feel I've always felt really that there's a sort of ceiling to to where bolter can get to that it's that it's quite high but that when she would come up against a player like a pagula i just did not see that being a, a player she'd be able to overcome and uh from what i heard is um david witt in the the coaching corner was saying that bolter said to pagula look she's playing top 10 tennis at the moment and and like you've got to weather it and uh, and I, I do think that that's very interesting and and Zheng Chinwen generally, Matt, I think is just a player that she's intriguing because of the the coaching setup, the changes that she's made, sort of that she's been forced to make because of of Naomi Osaka's return to the scene, and it that whole situation. And we, we'll go on to talk about Osaka's return too. It, it is all a, a tantalizing one for the for the twelve months to come, I think, because Zheng's ceiling feels really high to me Mm. yeah it's funny i was i was going through recently the pre-season predictions that we all made at the start of last season when we have to uh predict our top 10 and the amount of people that had jung chin wen in their top 10 was staggering it was so high and and i feel like she's going to be a name that's going to come up again a lot this year i i think people have those same feelings about her it feels like there's some real momentum behind her at the moment um with this new coaching setup with this slight point to prove um and yeah Catherine, i think you mentioned as well maybe some some little technical changes that she's trying to implement as well still very much a work in progress but you can you can sort of see them happening and yeah i i think she's she's a fascinating watch she um she had a good win didn't she over over vondrosheva it seemed like quite a topsy-turvy match maybe maybe they didn't play their tennis at the best you know at the same time together it was one of those matches maybe maybe that <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a weird match. 
Yeah, but um, you know, any any win over over a Wimbledon champion is obviously is obviously a good one. And just on just on Igor Swiatek, I I think there's again, if we go back twelve months, she spoke about how how hard she found the off season last year as as sort of world number one in the off season for the first time. And she spoke about how much attention there was and, and, and she wasn't able to escape it. And, and this year she, she described her off season as peaceful and, and, and that allowed her, that gave her the chance to work on her game and, 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 and make these little improvements. I, um, I actually tweeted about her, her new service motion, it, literally about two points into her first match of the season and was, and was attacked for being late and, and, and not on it and noticing <laughs> and noticing it much well, earlier. I mean, I had seen a video Matt, during the off you've season. You've got to watch the exhibitions. Come on. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I'd seen a training video during the off season that was like filmed through a fence and it looked a bit like she had a new serve. But, you know, who knows whether she's actually going to bring that onto the match court. And it was it was nice to sort of see that that she has brought that that new serve. I, I think her her speed was quite a lot faster, certainly um, against Hadash Maya on that first serve. And I thought she was awesome in that and Sviantec destroying ATP players in mixed doubles oh. if that's something that we're going to be getting at the United Cup every year then sign me up because Alejandro Davidovich Fakina had <laughs> had said that no he wasn't he wasn't particularly scared of of playing Igor Sviantec and Igor Sviantec seemed to take that personally because she was running around serves and crushing returns and generally sort of laughing at how easy she seemed to be finding dealing with his game. And alongside her catch, she's got his own massive serve and Shontek's return, like they're a formidable force on, on a mixed doubles court. And seeing them overwhelm Sreva's Torma and Davidovich Fakina, I've never seen anything like that in, in mixed doubles. Love and love. I mean, hilarious. Alejandro Davidovich Fakina beat Hubert Hercatch today and lost love and love to Igor Sviantek. What, <laughs> what a weird tennis player he is. I've, <laughs> I've loved watching him this week. Um, but he, I'll, I don't, I'm not sure I'll ever, I'll ever figure him out. There's, there have been some... I found some of the mixed doubles kind of the most revealing in terms of character... This week, you you kind of see the most interplay between the teams with their sort of team pods that they have by the side of the court. Um, you know, you had Novak Djokovic and and Olga Danilovic yesterday in the mixed doubles for Serbia, who incredibly came back to win against the the Chinese team of uh, Zhang Zhizhen and Zhang Qinwen, um, who really seemed to have it in the bag. And Novak Djokovic kind of fight his own doubles, de- both fight his own doubles demons, which can only have multiplied since the Davis Cup finals. Um, and also kind of be a, be a gentleman. I felt like he was trying to be a gentleman with Olga Danilovic. This, I think she's the lowest ranked number one singles female here it's obviously the biggest golf in ranking between the between the men's and women's uh singles players here you know there is a big big discrepancy if if you're being looking at it uncharitably 
Novak Djokovic is kind of trying to win this United Cup for Serbia single-handedly. That's obviously incredibly un- ungenerous to, to Olga Danilovic, who is a heck of a competitor. And when the when the ball is in the sweet spot of her racket, my goodness me, she's an incredible ball striker. But things can also fall apart very very, very quickly and alarmingly for her. And, and they did in her singles yesterday against uh, Zhang Chinwen. But I really feel there's, whether it's a gentlemanly thing or, or almost a kind of fatherly thing from, from Djokovic towards her on the court, he's he's sort of really trying to keep a lid on his doubles frustration and not show it to her. And yet his poker face isn't very good. And you can absolutely see that he's, fuming when things aren't going well um I just Djokovic and doubles I just find utterly compelling and then you had um the USA against GB in mixed doubles which was uh Taylor Fritz who uh, had just beaten Cameron Norrie in singles and he'd had a couple of injury timeouts uh over the course of of that match and uh, the, the men's singles was on second, so it was going straight into the doubles. There's usually a turnaround of about 15, 20 minutes. And Rajiv, Rajiv Ram, one of the best doubles players in the world, had, had disappeared in the later stages of Taylor Fritz's singles, presumably thinking, I'm going to get subbed in here. I better go and warm up. But then Taylor Fritz in his post-match interview says, nope, I'm putting myself in for the doubles. I fancy this one. And there he is in the first set <laughs> alongside Jessica Bagula facing Neil Skubsky and Katie Bolter. Katie Bolter that's got absolutely no doubles pedigree to her name whatsoever. And Taylor Fritz is having a, having a truly chastening experience. Truly chasing, chastening. He's he's getting ripped apart by Katie Bolter pretty much. And, and they sit down midway through the set um, and there's a massive... Conflab with between Team USA, everyone's weighing in, um, and a couple of people, a couple of voices, Taylor Fritz say to Taylor Fritz, "Don't stop giving her big balls. She she likes your pace." And he immediately quips back, "She's never seen my pace." And I just <laughs> found it. I mean, it was like a portrait of the fragile male ego. <laughs> it, uh, it was um and look credit to them credit to them they turned that match they turned that match around and they won it and they kept team usa uh alive currently jessica bagula's trying to keep team usa alive they're playing the the decisive uh tie right now uh against uh team australia but it was just so revealing you know a couple of nights ago uh, a couple of nights before that, GB were playing Australia and Katie Bolter was just on fire on her serve and um, Team Australia were keeping count of the number of times that Katie Bolter aced Matt Ebden. Um, and he was getting ribbed for it when he sat down, but he took it all on the chin. He, he he was laughing along. He goes, yeah, those are unplayable. I don't care who you are in the world. Those serves were unplayable. Um, but poor old Taylor Fritz couldn't couldn't quite take it on the chin in in quite the same way bless him look I, i'm yeah it's just a revealing thing seeing them all interact isn't it isn't it i'm not i'm not saying taylor fritz doesn't 
respect Jessica Pagula. I, I absolutely think he does. Um, and, you know, they're good friends. There's a good vibe in, in, in the team. But I do think there is a difference between the the male players at this United Cup that, that respect their female teammates and the ones that really think they might be able to learn something from them. Um, I do... I, I sense... I sense that difference, um, and I'm I'm finding it very interesting to watch. Me too. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Matt, we talked about the... uh... The 3 a.m. haze in which you came home and started to watch Naomi Osaka. How how much of a handle did you get on the level that she was playing at? Because she came out and she beat Tamara Korpach in straight sets in the end. I think it was about an 11-9 second set tiebreak. I, I, I finally flaked at 5-all in the second set. I was sort of hoping to get to the end of it. And, uh, and then when, when the break back happened, I thought... I can I can take no more, um, I, but uh, but you got to the end. I think listeners need to bear in in mind here that uh, we now know Matt was drunk while watching uh, Naomi Osaka. So just 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 view his takes through that lens, folks. <laughs> I do have a really big telly though, so I saw it. You know, I saw it well. <laughs> Matt's telly is frig. It's it it's embarrassingly large, Matt. <laughs> it's way too big for the room, but the guy I got this flat off gave me an amazing deal, and I I couldn't say no. Uh, anyway, um, look, I was I was so impressed with Naomi Osaka. Um, I think you know you can read too much into a stat sheet, but I do, I do think the stat sheet of this match told quite a story. You know that. She hit way more winners than unforced errors. There was there was real authority and 
power about her game. I I have missed how hard Naomi Osaka hits the ball and and the sound it makes off her racket. It is just different to other players and and the quick racket head speed that she has, especially on that forehand, that was all in play. And yet she sort of married that with a control because it wasn't it wasn't wild. You know, she was keeping the unforced errors under control and that was that was a really good sign. She she spoke about how nervous she was and I felt like it was good nerves. It was it was it was the sort of nerves that made her really engaged in the match and, and, and you could tell that she had a lot of adrenaline. Um it it tailed off a bit. She wasn't quite able to sustain the really high level through the whole match and it, it did get pretty nervy in, in that in that second set and you know, you almost feel like it's a cliche, but sort of match toughness she needs to build back up and, and, and helping close out matches is is something that I think does take a bit of time to come back after you've been away for so long, even even for a great champion like Naomi Osaka. But um, yeah, there's a really good energy about her. She's she's um, spoken about how she's trying to be a little bit more outgoing on the tour and take her headphones off and and talk to a few more people and sort of embrace tour life a bit more than than she ever has done in the past and it was just so nice to see her back and and playing well and you know there were of course times where I thought oh my goodness she's going to do a Kim Clijsters and win the next major but then but then suddenly you know she is in a in a long tie break with tomorrow core patch and you have to sort of temper your expectations when when you're what are you saying <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying um so look a really encouraging start for Naomi Osaka but basically just great to have her back and um so intrigued by by how this comeback goes yeah it, it is it's it's impossible not to get intoxicated watching her play even on top of matt's immense amount of alcohol um but i i was there i was just buzzing watching her play i think some of it is you forget you forget how good she was when she was at the top of her game but i think also it's a long time since she was at the top of a game i mean that last year or so that she played the sport she did not look like she did today in terms of her her demeanor of uh, her enjoyment levels how relaxed she looked now I, I accept that that may that may well be a, a bit of a a honeymoon period of, of having just come back on the tour having had such a long time away but she looked fit and fresh and fun and and just so vibrant the way she was hitting the ball I mean the it, that that sort of split second when she's deciding which way to go and then suddenly the take back and boom there goes the ball uh, and it is just impossible not to be swept away by it all uh, because you 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 know that the top level is still capable of beating just about anybody and uh yeah i i have been a little bit carried away over the last 12 hours and i'm quite happy to be <laughs> So so have I, David. I totally have. There was an incredible line uh, from her in her post-match interview uh, on the court, J- just summing up exactly what you've described there, David, where she said, I feel like in my last two years before I stopped playing that I didn't give the sport... I Hang on. I, I didn't give as much love back to the sport as it gave to me. And I'd like to try and change that or put that right now uh, upon my return. I thought that was a very, I mean, she's being 
she's being hard on herself, uh, which is kind of her trademark, isn't it? And I suppose always will be. Um, but it was it was a very elegant elegant way of putting it, um, and it, it's a complicated comeback, isn't it? Because yes, she's coming back from from maternity leave and from from childbirth and that tremendous life change, and that is significant. But I almost think just as significant, she's she's coming back from totally falling out of love with the sport. It, it feels like two two tandem and very related comebacks. I think the fact that she might have a different perspective on life now can possibly help her fall back in love with the sport. But it's it's sort of a non. It's not a neat story of of taking time off to to have a baby and and coming back it it's rather more complicated than that in a very fascinating way would you put her in the mix for the australian open right now yes to, but i'm not saying that Matt. off the back of a victory over tamara corpatch i should repeat what i've said in I, I can't remember what's friend shows and what's not at this stage but i have i've been pretty big on naomi osaka over the last couple of months that so that's that's not necessarily to do with beating Tamara Corpatch this is this is a tough pod for Tamara Corpatch fans isn't it Matt what do you think Harmony Tan's loving it though (laughs) (laughs) oh what a niche tennis gag Matt that's what people come (laughs) here for isn't it (laughs) do you know I, I probably would put her in the mix I mean that that sounds fun, Naomi Osaka in the mix, and 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 I do think there can be a thing with comebacks where, as you said, like you can immediately sort of have have success because you're back and, and you're loving it, and it's she's always played well in Australia, and the conditions suit her, and maybe we're going to have a really great start to Osaka, but then maybe the middle months of the season might be a little tougher. I, I could see that happening, so I I think yeah, I'm God. I'm I'm putting her in the mix, but I, I feel like I can I can defend that take. She's a she's a four time major champion. Like the tennis is there. Oh God, you know when David's going next, I... don't you? He's going the doll. He's going the doll next, <laughs> oh, okay. and we're going to get yeah, the same question. Let's... Oh God. <laughs> Let's do that in a minute. Um, I, I have to say that when I play tennis at my lowly level, if I haven't played for six months or golf, I will play amazing. <laughs> and I'll think it's really easy. <laughs> and then I'll not really Wait, understand why Are you why also playing tomorrow, cool patch? <laughs> I'm also in the mix. Um, so to, carrying on with the with comebacks, we had uh, Amanda Anisimova's return last night. Couldn't watch it. Didn't wasn't on TV in the UK that I saw. Um, but uh, good news to have her back and uh, and playing the sport again, Matt. I'm, I'm sure you found some illegal stream to watch it. I didn't, and I'm really upset about that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I okay. there is a serious point in here. I, I think it's I think it's unacceptable that that there's no match you know match option available now in in at the start of this year for tennis viewers in this country for the WTA you know we've uh, Amazon raised the bar in, in 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 that respect so much in terms of offering um you know you could watch any match you wanted and it's it's women's tennis that suffers here because there is still tennis tv available for the men and and, and you can watch the matches you like that way um 
honestly, having having the highlights packages for the women on on tennis TV has been has been such a godsend because you know the WTA highlights package is is sort of they're not really fit for purpose either. So you've got Amanda Nisimova's comeback, and not only can you not watch it live, there's there's not really that brilliant footage of it available kind of anywhere, and just just want to see those backhands. And tennis is 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 not allowing me to, and I'm I'm quite I am quite frustrated about that. And uh, but very very pleased that she's back. That's that's a good win against Pavlyuchenkova. And again, I think she's she's coming. You know, she that's a really interesting break that she took. It it it, it sounds like she gave an interview to WTA Insider. It sounds like she allowed herself to live the life that she'd never really been able to live you know, in, in in the past few months and taking the time off to spend some time with friends and just be away from tennis. She said being around the tour had become unbearable, you know, and I'm really pleased if, if, if she's found a way to to come back to the tour and, and enjoy tour life. It's obviously very early days. We'll see how it goes, but I hope so because she's she's an incredible dark horse to have in a tournament you know knowing the level that she can produce and and the way she can produce her tennis that that's a you know there's a lot of great comebacks this this tennis season i think anissa mobers is a little bit underrated she can she can add so much to the tour if she's um if she's back in in a really meaningful way i hope so yeah uh, we mentioned Rafael Nadal. He he's already played doubles with uh, with his coach Mark Lopez, uh, who <laughs> I don't think he's played tennis for a while. Uh, not at the top level, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Nadal gets whatever he wants, and uh, and he he's back playing doubles, and he plays singles tomorrow morning. I mean, who writes these scripts? He's playing tomorrow morning against Dominic Team, who got to this match. By uh, coming back in qualifying, he had to go through qualifying, did Dominic team in the first round. And he came back from 2-6, 3-5, love 40 down, and the match was interrupted by a venomous snake. I mean... The, the match that, was interrupted was at a very <laughs> crucial juncture by, by a venomous snake, David. I mean, it was, the, it was in so many ways the pivotal moment. Uh, there was a 40-minute break for a professional snake catcher to arrive on the scene. And everybody was just standing there with their phones out. It's the deadliest snake in Australia, the country of all the deadly things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we reached peak Australia with that with that video of of, of a snake which I went on Australian Geographic and it is described as fast moving, aggressive and known for its bad temper. Their venom is ranked as the second most toxic of any land snake in the world. And victims may collapse within a few minutes. And there are just people laughing and filming it like run it's a it's a venomous <laughs> snake like i couldn't believe what i was watching and and then dominic team bless him says oh i love exotic animals <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, mate it's not a koala <laughs> <laughs> i think dominic yeah. i think you're thinking of quokkas <laughs> Yeah, tennis players aren't having selfies crouched down with this thing, are they? If they are, 
They need their heads looking. Um, I'm sure. So... I'm sure he's got skills and training that I, you know, that I'm not aware of. But a professional snake catcher, by the way, does seem to be a man with a a, a rubbish picker upper and a and a bin bag. Mm. Um, what was all that when about? They, <laughs> when they when they said forty minutes waiting for a a professional snake catcher, I was. I was expecting Ace Ventura to turn up on the scene, um, and he was and, also and it, seemed it to be wasn't... wearing the same kit as all the all the you know, like a it was, yeah. it was definitely definitely calls were made to a professional snake catcher. None were available, so uh, something was hodgepodged behind the scenes, and out comes someone's dad with a bin bag and one of those <laughs> things that people doing community service have that are litter picking. I mean, yeah. you know, hopefully hopefully, we're not presented with this in our Airbnb in two weeks' time, but we know that if one of those things happens, you two are just going to send me in there as the dad, <laughs> aren't you? In a brown snake situation, I wouldn't even send you in, David. We would no. all be fleeing the country. Just burn it brown, down. Uh, brown snakes and um, cane toads. I can't do cane toads. Okay. What are those? Just like big frogs with a venom. Yeah, they kill a lot of dogs in Queensland because dogs lick them right. and that's poisonous. Um, human beings are a bit more Can't restrained about looking them. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Um, so, Rafael Nadal against Dominic Thiem. Uh, we, we don't really know what to say about Nadal, do we? Because it, until we watch him, how can you get properly hyped? Yeah, and everyone everyone says, oh, he's, he's hitting the ball well. But, I mean, <laughs> John McEnroe still hits the ball well, doesn't he? Like, we need... We need to see him in a match environment to to be able to, you know, make any judgment. But I think it feels quite sad to say, but I don't know. That feels like quite a good draw for Nadal. Oh, that's oh, a dagger. That is. I mean, given <laughs> given the field in Brisbane, like, and he could have played anyone. Oh, God, how did Dominic team end up such a? I know that's that sad tale. That, that was a really bleak sentence, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> the, oh. the bloke has okay, well, I hope it's amazing. a and... deadly snake this week. Yeah. This is it. And this come is back from behind. This is the start of something. <laughs> He'll go and beat Nadal. And then that won't even be good, will it? Because that means Nadal's out and not, not in good shape. Oh. I don't want to watch the match now. <laughs> did we? Did we? Um, I, I did watch. Did, did, what did we make of what he had to say in the uh, the pre-tournament press conferences? Comeback press conference. I I thought that it was upbeat generally, and um, I also thought he he did his whole, which he frankly he's been doing his whole career of. Well, you know, I've got no chance, really, have I? You know, I mean, obviously, my expectations aren't what they used to be. Well, you used to say you got no chance when you were the winning your thirteenth Roland Garros. So, uh, I, I, I watched that, and I did think he's going to win everything. <laughs> he's going to win everything. He looks great, um, but I haven't seen him move about yet and hit tennis balls. So, I should probably 
wait until then. Matt, you're always the Nadal hype man. Maybe not when you're hungover. <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, as, as I said, I'm. I'm judging it on seeing him on the court. Like he said all the things. I, I wasn't surprised by what he said. As like it was very Nadal. Um, I'm certainly not going to judge him on a on a doubles match with with retired Mark Lopez. <laughs> Poor old Beatrice Beatrice and Adjemaya played uh, doubles in Perth twice this week with with Marcelo Mello, who I thought was Alexander Zverev's coach. Who knew that he wasn't officially retired? Seen him at breakfast every day. Do do you remember when when Nadal played doubles? I think it was in Canada somewhere with Francisco Roy. <laughs> don't. There was a period where there was a period where Andy Murray kept playing doubles with with Danny Valverde, um, <laughs> some time ago. But you, you can do what you like when you're a big star, can't you? Is, is uh, we're going to mention players, Petros? You know, we're going to mention but... Petros. Feels like he deserves a mention in this conversation. Greece, Greece United Cup captain is he? Yep. Mm. Well, we'll have our full our full rundown of Petros's exploits uh, in the end of tournament show but Matt wants to say well, I was just more. to say that is a slightly weird thing isn't it that Britain Britain have played both of their matches I mean lots of teams have played two matches in the United Cup and Greece haven't even played one yet I, I am slightly confused by that schedule yes Yes, I am too. Um, I've been totally sort of unaware a- apart from Angelique Kerber's comeback which I've I've tried to keep an eye on uh she's lost both her matches but sort of with with some promising signs i think would be the overall takeaway um i feel completely out of what's happening in greece uh, in in, <laughs> oh dear, in in sydney um it it does it does feel quite separate to me mm. um but obviously, I'm very much in in. I am in the most remote city in the world, so everything <laughs> feels quite separate from me. Uh, Andy Murray played Grigor Dimitrov about an hour ago, and it just felt like all the Andy Murray Grigor Dimitrov matches since Andy Murray took his made his comeback. Um, he played hard. He nearly won. He didn't win. <laughs> Dimitrov's suddenly found the secret of his game over the last 12 months, and he's a different prospect altogether. Uh, that about sum it up, I'd say? Yeah, it, it it did feel at one stage like who was who was trying to be more themselves. And like, because Grigor Dimitrov just totally threw away the first set after playing quite a nice set. He just played this terrible game where all all of his decisions were the wrong ones. And then... Murray, you just knew he wasn't going to close it out in, in two sets because he so rarely does that, despite playing some really good aggressive tennis to start the match. And um, and then he, he sort of ran out of steam, didn't he, in, in, in the third set, Murray? And 
there was an incredible period where Dimitrov kept winning points with, with, with a broken string. I mean, it was really weird what was happening in, in Brisbane today. Sheldon kept breaking strings, and then that Dimitrov-Murray match, so many strings were being broken, and Dimitrov hit the most extraordinary smash with a broken string. I mean, I, I don't understand how he got the control on it, but it seemed to go right in the place where he wanted it to go, onto the line, which kind of blew my mind. Um, but yeah, sort of Dimitrov ultimately played a played a good match and like we've become used to him doing over, over the last year and, and Murray played the sort of match that we've become used to to, to seeing him get himself involved in and um, yeah in, in, in this new year Murray and Murray and Dimitrov very much were themselves I suppose in that match mm. okay well we've had a bit of coaching news uh, since the last edition of the show Severin Luthi has uh, joined Holger Runa's team alongside Boris Becker that, that was a, a bit of a left field one that I wasn't expecting and I'm ju- I am just fascinated to see what sort of year Runa has I mean he's pulling the uh the sort of super coach trigger very early in his career isn't he um but I I kind of feel like he's the sort of personality it might work with what do you think Catherine yes I think so too I tentatively think so too. Uh, I I was a little perplexed when the when the Boris Becker news came out, but I quite liked what I saw of their dynamic in Turin. Um, I don't really know what who Severin Luthi is outside of the Roger Federer universe. Um, so who knows? But I, I tentatively think that. That's all all kind of quite good for Holger Rune. He won today, didn't he? Um he was a it had to come from a set down to Max Purcell. Um so, you know, beating an Aussie in Australia in your first match of the season, that's that's character building, isn't a it? A sensation. So, a sensation, no less. So, um yeah, I'm I'm interested in Holger Rune right now. Yeah, and if you if you're not sure of the origins of the Australian sensations, go to the tennis podcast website, click on tennis podcast terminology, and it's all in there. Um, Francis Tiafoe and Wayne Ferreira are no longer working together. Uh, they've been together for quite a while, haven't they? And, and Tiafoe obviously had that fantastic run to the US Open semi-finals. I think it was a pretty good partnership over the course of time, but uh, it's run its course. Tiafoe now to be coached by Diego Moyano. They worked together in the past um, at, when uh, Miami was at the USTA, um, helping out the players there. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much the tennis world for, <laughs> for now. Um, so we can uh, we can reconvene uh, in a week's time. Um, we will also have an Australian Open relived show for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. We produce eight of those in total over the course of the year uh, just for friends. So if you want to become a friend, you also support the production of what were 128 shows in 2023 free to air daily shows at all the grand slam tournaments we're there on site trying to bring you the very best of what goes on and ask questions of players and really try to get underneath the the skin of the the sport and um and then you also get as a friend access to what were more than 20 shows in addition just 
for you. Uh, Tennis Relived, um, Q&As with us. We're going to be doing those monthly um, over the course of the next year, and we're going to be doing those ones live also. Um, And we'll do our Grand Slam review shows with voice notes. So become a friend of the Tennis Podcast if you're not already. This first edition of Friends of Tennis Relived is going to be uh, all about the 2008 Australian Open the first of Novak Djokovic's 24 Grand Slam singles titles. Um, and uh, we'll be talking about what went on all the way through that event. I mean, it was it was really something, that event. There's loads to get our teeth stuck into there. We also have our Maria Bueno show that went up on Boxing Day, available for friends right now too. Uh, and on Sunday, the 7th of January, we'll be back with our weekly show to review the United Cup, Brisbane, Auckland, all of those stories. I should also mention in Auckland, Emma Raducanu's return as well, because I would say she's right at the top of my wish list for the new year of players I just want to see have a have a real chance at having a go and, and being fit and trying to work it out again. Uh, she's certainly been talking very optimistically and 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 sounds refreshed but we'll see how that that ends up manifesting itself she she has uh, Jane O'Donoghue who's coached her before working with her there but it it still seems very much week to week and temporary and all that sort of thing but that's the way she's still doing things so we'll see how it goes um and then after Sunday it'll be uh, Matt and myself flying to Melbourne on Tuesday meeting up with Catherine at our Airbnb on Wednesday night Catherine um, you know, you've been rubbing shoulders with all these, all these tennis people, Yelena Dokic and all, and then you're going to have to slum it with us too. Yes, I'm going to peak on Saturday uh, when I go to Rottnest Island to see the Quokkas. So you have to pick me up after my post-Quokka slump. Okay, I- I'll-, I'll do that. How are you getting there? Uh, by boat. Great. I think it's the only way. Well, I think you can get a seaplane, but that's, you know, for VIPs. And, well, seaplane's cool, but I do, I like being on the water, seasickness permitting. Um, so I am very excited. Apparently they're quite sleepy in the morning. You have to play, you have to play the long game with the, with the quokka selfies. I'm very excited by whether you're, your cooker selfie is going to be more, you know, Roger Federer style where everyone's having a great time. I hope it is. I, I really am rooting for that. But I did see the one What's with Novak Djokovic where ev- everyone everyone looked a little bit scared of each other. They were sort of in the distance and it was a, it was a slightly awkward cooker selfie. I, I hope it's not no, going to be like that. Matt, Matt my, I, I'm not leaving that island until I've got a okay. photo where everyone's having a You have the perfect selfie. Time. Yeah. That- yeah. Catherine will be zooming in for, for our daily podcasts. <laughs> still, still looking for a quokka. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Well, I'm very much looking forward to hearing all about that. And and do get onto our Instagram um, page if you're not already signed up on there because Catherine is posting some, some great stuff and will be throughout the next uh, three weeks, including quokka time. Uh, and on the subject of, of magnificent animals, uh, let me draw your attention to our mascot for this episode. The first one of 2024, our mascot is Bodhi, owned by Anna and her partner Tom. And Anna says he is nearly he is a nearly two-year-old, probable, 
Cavapoo Cross. Uh, his mum was rescu- rescued by the RSPCA from a puppy farm while he was, while she was pregnant. Catherine is welcome to guess the mix. And I, I mean, look, all I can say is uh, Bodhi looks gorgeous, all sort of like a, a massive Billie Jean is 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 what I what she looks like like to me. Um, talk amongst yourselves, folks. I'm just getting the um, getting the picture up. Okay, well, I'll t- I can go on to tell you that uh, um, we have Anna, who is a vet, um, the owner of Bodie, working at Bristol Vet School. And Bodie comes to work with her oh, every day, I've just got the uh, where he's in training to become a teaching dog for the students. <laughs> oh, good work, Bodie. This is great. I think that is, I mean, there's a lot of cavapoo in there for sure. That. Matt, are you looking at this? I think that's a very Billy Jeanie face. Extremely, extremely. And just, just with much longer hair than Billy Jean. Yeah, a lot. But, but I do... Like I said, a massive Billy I Jean. Do, I do crop Billy Jean quite mm. short on the hair front. Because uh, I am a semi-professional dog groomer on the side. <laughs> um, so I don't think... I don't, Next I don't think Bodie's groomer. huge, David. I, th- I think it's just a lot of fur. I think mm. oh. I, I think right. similar size to Billie Jean. Anyway, she is gorgeous, and that's making me miss Billie Jean. He he is gorgeous. I've got something right no. on the old uh, dog front. Well, she He's was oh I, old, the, probable... the she was a reference to the mum from the puppy farm. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Um, anyway, we're, we're delighted to have Bodie as our mascot this week. We've got loads more mascots coming your way over the course of the year, including our new presenter mascots for 2024. They are. Oh, my God. Francis. I've just seen who I've got. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a reveal. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for last. Uh, I've got Francis. A cat owned by Drew. Uh, my first ever cat, I think. Can't wait. Uh, Matt has got, is it Hyder and Soma? Cats owned by Chris Albert Lee. Hey, Chris an Albert Lee's producer back. Of ours in years He's gone back. by. Yeah. <laughs> the return of a top folk uh, and now in um, presenter mascot form. Uh, um, and then Catherine in a, in a, in a quite fantastic <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> Has got Darwin. This is so much Formerly fun. Formerly my mascot. Formerly Matt's mascot. <laughs> Darwin's now ditched us both <laughs> and decided to get on well, Catherine's there's, train. It's either saving the best till last or, you know, the dregs, isn't it? Depending on which way you look at it. But delighted to have you, Darwin. Finally. I've Welcome been waiting. Welcome back, Darwin. Owned by Carrie... Carrie's such a wonderful supporter of the Tennis Podcast. And thank you all, Drew, Carrie, Chris Albert Lee, uh, for supporting the Tennis Podcast. Um, and also, our top folks for 2024 that I can reveal to you right now, our executive producers. We do have one more spot available if you'd like to be one as well. You'll get your name read out at the end of every single show if you are one. And we know for sure that we have Jeff, we have Jamie, we have Chris. And we have very nice Greg, <laughs> all top folks and executive producers of the Tennis Podcast in 2024. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, just absolutely delighted to have them all on the team. Just to be clear, that's a pre-existing nickname that we have for Greg, just so that Chris, Jamie and Jeff don't, there's no implication that Chris, Jamie and Jeff aren't also very nice. That's just a pre-existing yeah. but we used nickname to, that we we, we have used to call Greg. Greg Nice Greg, and now he's become an executive <laughs> producer, so he's he's elevated himself <laughs> to very nice Greg. You see, um, so there we are. They're all top folks. Um, and Matt, we have shout-outs. We do. We have five shout-outs, and, and and let's start with uh, Carrie, Carrie Kaplan, owner oh. of Darwin. My hey, gal, Carrie. My Carrie. She's awesome. Um, Don't know any tennis carries, I'm afraid. I only know that. Isn't there a carry in uh, Sex and the City? Bradshaw, yeah. Wasn't expecting that, David. <laughs> Check me out with the cultural um, references. There's, there's Carrie there's, Soto. There's the book, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, Carrie Soto is back, which is a Taylor Jenkins Reid tennis-themed book. That's the best I can do for you, Carrie. Doesn't Mary Carrillo do some of the audio book for that? Yes, she does. So that's a recommendation. Absolutely, yeah. Good, it's good. We've also got uh, Wright Brian, who is in Washington, D.C. He says, I have a cat and a dog. They don't like each other, but I love both of them. Oh. (laughs) Thanks very much, Wright. Uh, Like Bob and Mike Brian. Um, so you know, don't know whether there's any relation. Yes, there. the lost, but, um... the lost Brian brother. Writes <laughs> <laughs> uh, ever, so, ever so nice. He often uh, has messaged us in the past, and uh, is, and yes, it, thank you very much. Is it Brian with a Y, friend. like the Brians? Yeah, oh, it is. Okay, so you know, and right with the W. There could be a story there. Yes, like the Wright Absolutely. brothers. Or like Ian Wright, right, right. Oh, what a lovely, the football what a lovely chap. Yes. Thank you, Wright. We've also got Noonie Tal. All right, Noonie. Love that, Noonie. What do we know about Noonie? Noonie, Noonie is in Israel. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Hello, nice. Noonie. Do we know anything else? Uh, I'm a big tennis fan, and the tennis podcast is my favourite podcast. Oh, okay, Noonie's my kind of person. That's all you need to know about a person, really, Top. isn't it? Yeah, top work, Noonie. Keep spreading the word. I love that name. <laughs> Thanks for being a friend. I'm going to confidently say there's no tennis tennis Noonies that we know of. Mm. Um, I could talk. Kaida Noonie. I could. Very good. I tell. I tell you what. Close, close in spelling or not? Very close. Not, not, not quite right. But given what we're working with, I think that's okay. sensational. I maybe. think, I think you've done well for Noonie there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Noonie. <laughs> We've also got Trigva. Now I'm almost certainly pronouncing that right, uh, wrong. But Trigva <laughs> says you're close enough for me if the Y is pronounced as E, which I'm I'm trying my best to do. And Trigva is in Oslo. Ooh. Oh, well, wow. Norway won their United Cup tie today, didn't they, against Croatia? 
Isn't yes. that right? Did they? Oh, I haven't seen yes, Casper Ruud has has got two two wins already, hasn't he? His 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 sister and cousin were doing a a, a fun sort of catwalk, um, like 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 models in the backstage area, which was which was amusing content. How many members of Casper Ruud's family are in tow? Because his dad is the captain. Right. Well, this was his sister and his cousin. So that's minimum four. <laughs> four roots. Okay. Mm. Uh, well, good. They're living the tennis life well, aren't they? D- g- good, yeah. good, just good day for good Norway, Trigva. Hope you Absolutely. enjoyed it. Happy New Thanks, Year. Thanks, And finally, we have Stefan Wagen, who is from Urdorf, which is next to Zurich in Switzerland. I wonder if there are tennis Stefans. (laughs) Stefan Edberg, Stefan Djokovic. I was being facetious, David. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan says, this is good. You're going to like this. Stefan says, in my first shout out, and he he knows the date, which I love, January the 20th, 2023, Catherine teased an aggro story with Edberg and Ivanisevic during the Legends Champions Tour event in Zurich. I quote Catherine, a story for another day, and I promise to tell the story in in full on a podcast in the future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I'm still waiting to hear why Ivanisevic threw his runners-up trophy into a bin. Do we have time? <laughs> we don't have time, do we? We're we're already. Of course we do. Way Go over. on. You can't let Stefan wait again. They're playing in the they're playing in the final of a Champions Tour event. It, it was a great Champions Tour event that one actually in. in in Zurich, Goran and Edberg in the final. I remember Goran was serving bombs all week. He was I mean, there was a period uh, when Goran was first on the Champions Tour when because of the evolution of racket technology, it was kind of the the overlap of him not being too old yet, and he's always kept himself in really good shape, Goran, and new racket and string technology, and he was actually serving bigger than he, he used to on tour. He was he was still extremely good. Anyway, Edberg didn't seem to age either, still doesn't seem to age. They're both playing good tennis, but Goran, you know, he's considerably younger than Edberg. He's the very heavy favourite. And generally on the Champions Tour, David, you can confirm, uh, things didn't really go against the, the the form book, so to speak. You know, <laughs> if it's a 40-year-old playing a 50-year-old, there weren't many upsets. 
Do you know what I mean? Yes, no. you do. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Goran is uh, winning, as you'd expect, but he's also making it look competitive. That's that's the game on the Champions Tour. Um, and he, he's got it into, you know, sort of three all-second sets, something like that. And Stefan Edberg pulls an abdominal muscle. Um, so Goran's going really, really easy, but there's a little exchange between them at the net. Goran's going really, really easy on him so that it continues to look competitive and so that there's no risk of Edberg having to retire, uh, in this showpiece, showpiece match of the tournament. Anyway, uh, Edberg then (laughs) got Got a bit of an abdominal second wind uh, and <laughs> <laughs> took advantage of Goran going easy on him and uh, w- w- won it. <laughs> and and honestly, Goran was fuming. The words <laughs> effing f- sp- effing sportsman of the year award my effing something was were uttered while trophies were being thrown in in bins (laughs) (laughs) and that ladies and gentlemen uh was the champions tour in a nutshell Good times, David, hey? There you go. <laughs> there you go, Stefan. <laughs> she, she was good to a word. She'd tell you one day, and here we are. Yeah. Uh, I should just say, Stefan Oberg is a lovely man. But he's also a, yes. he's also a ruthless competitor. You don't win seven Grand Slams without in the heat, eight, eight in Grand Slams. Eight, battle. seven, eight, six. What? Slams. I'm trying to say how many... Grand Slams, he's won. Yeah. He's won six. Six. Two Australian Opens, two Wimbledons, and two US Opens. Okay, Stefan. Would you like the years? <laughs> I think Stefan's got bang for his buck. Shout out, Stefan. I think he won the 85 and 87 Australian Opens. I think he won the 88 and 90 Wimbledons, and he won the 91 and 92 US Opens. David, people so people have got lives to live. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll we'll call it a day there, shall we? Catherine's got to get to bed. Matt and I've got to try to rescue something from today, uh, New Year's Day. Um, I thought you were going to say rescue this podcast in the edit. I was thinking it hasn't been that bad, has it? <laughs> no. Oh dear. Uh, anyway, we hope you've enjoyed it, um, and uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back with another one on Sunday uh, and we're going to record that edition of Tennis Relived and we've got on location back it's so good uh, we're, uh, we're we're thrilled to start 2024 with a podcast we hope you've enjoyed listening to it thank you for listening to it uh, because frankly without you what's the point uh, so we'll speak to you in a few days time mm-hmm.